Hello, I'm Kieran Valley. And I'm Kate Valley. And this is Friday Night at Blockbuster, the podcast where we look at movies from the 2000s. Okay, Kate, so the day that this episode will be released, April 19th, is Canadian Film Day. And sort of spurred on by the fact that our local movie theater is playing The Grand Seduction, which I think is quite a fun Canadian movie. Uh, I just wanted to know, like, what Canadian movies have you watched over the years? What ones do you enjoy? What ones would you recommend to somebody who might be looking for a Canadian movie to watch tonight? So you had told me that this was going to be the question. We don't share notes. We don't kind of talk about what we're going to talk about beforehand, except sometimes for these kind of big questions at the start. We had then a hard time defining what's a Canadian movie for me to kind of help narrow down my search. We talked about, is it a Canadian writer? Is it set in Canada? Is it Canadian, like, produced by a Canadian company? So we kind of said any or all of those. You can sort of follow any of them. Kind of follow any of them. Um, With that being said, I had a very hard time trying to find a comprehensive list of Canadian movies. And some of the lists that I did find, some of them on Letterboxd would have 100, 200 movies. I would have seen zero on those lists. (laughs) So it became a bit of a challenge for me, but I did find a few that I know I've seen and that I remember enjoying enough. Uh, So a couple I had was that Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. I liked that it was comic book kind of style. I remember enjoying that. Uh, Like famously set in toronto yeah. as toronto <laughs> yeah so like toronto, one of the one of the few that yeah, toronto plays every other city in the world except toronto but not in scott pilgrim so yeah so we had that one we have the f word or what if what i if. think is yeah. the alternate yeah. title um so that one that's just the love of dan radcliffe for me so uh, very famously like blanked on new favorite movie by yes you know, friend of the podcast elise <laughs> who came on and did not mince words about the fact that she did not like that movie but I agree that's one of my favorites as well yeah um and then I've already talked about my love of Turning Red so the Pixar movie once again set in Toronto known as Toronto didn't kind of hold back from that and then the other series that gets filmed in Canada a lot is X-Men but that's not they're not saying it's Canada. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. I would not classify X Men as a Canadian movie. It's definitely. It's filmed in our hometown. Yeah. <laughs> uh, parts of it, anyways. But yeah, it's it's not supposed to be Canada. Um, I think actually, is is what's his name supposed to technically be a Canadian? Uh, Wolverine? Wolverine. Yeah. Supposed to technically be a Canadian. I I don't think that they really ever get into that in the movies. But yeah, I would not classify the X-Men movies as Canadian movies. So yeah, I had a I had a hard time with my kind of couple and that was me even I must have been looking at various lists for a good hour or something today just trying to find movies that I have seen that I could talk about. So, but what are you're the movie person? So what are some of yours? Well, so the once I started to dive into it and started to look into some of the movies that I was like, "Oh, maybe this one, maybe this one." What I came away with is the fact that like it's a lot of horror movies that that I've seen that I like anyways. And that sort of does make sense because... Canada's that scary? (laughs) Well, like horror movies tend to be cheap to make and the Canadian film industry has no money. So the fact that they turn out horror movies kind of makes sense. Um, You've obviously got like when, when somebody like David Cronenberg comes out of the Canadian film industry and sort of his sensibilities tend to be horror like obviously that's going to shape things. And so like you, there are even earlier movies of his than these. Um, I don't necessarily love his, his early, early movies, but like things like scanners or Videodrome, like the, those are set in Canada. Those are supposed to be in Canada. So like, those are fantastic. His son is now starting to make movies. Um, he made one a couple of years ago called Possessor. And that is also set in Toronto as Toronto. So like, those are all great. Uh, I recently, uh, rewatched for the first time in, in many, many years, I, I rewatched my bloody Valentine. And so that was actually directed by my directing instructor at school, uh, George Mahalka. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And so like, it, did you it, know that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I, well, like I knew that once I started to like look him up and then I was like, Oh, he did that movie that I'd already seen. And then, okay. and then you get talking to him about it and he like super, super nice man and 
lovely, lovely person. And so, yeah, so I rewatched that this year in October and it's kind of, it's so lovely. Like it's, it's so disgusting at points, but you're sort of just like, God, this is great. Like seventies slasher horror. Like it's, it's great. Um, and then the flip side of that is, uh, Black Christmas, which is another, like obviously horror movie and it's so fucking creepy. Uh, so I love, love both of those, uh, to get away from horror. We have things like, have you ever heard of the sweet hair, the sweet hereafter? No. Okay, so that's an Adam McGoyan movie, and he's another big time like Canadian director who had like sort of moved like made Canadian movies and moved on to Hollywood and, and sort of stuff like that. Um it's like a it's like a pretty harrowing story about a bus crash, like a school bus crash in this like very small town. And so like all the kids in town are on the school bus and they all die. And then it's sort of like how does the town deal with this okay um so it's like very like tough um sarah Pauly, canadian icon winner of a recent oscar uh her movie take this waltz love that movie it's phenomenal uh michelle williams and and uh seth rogan and and, and the like are all in it it's a great movie uh goon you ever watch goon no oh my god you gotta watch goon <laughs> You gotta watch Goon. It kept coming up on the list, like, when I was doing my reading, but yeah, no. You gotta watch Goon. Like, it's so funny, and it's the hockey playoffs now, so, like, now's the perfect time to go back and watch Goon. Um, again, like, that's kind of one of those hybrid ones of, like, it was written by Jay Baruchel, it's set in Halifax, but, like, there's a lot of American money, I think, probably behind the production as well, so, you know, we'll 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 claim it, we'll take it. Um, and then recently, like somebody like Denny Villeneuve, who now makes the biggest movies in the world, uh, like he got to start making tiny little Canadian movies. So he made, uh, on D, which is, is set in Montreal and like the middle East, but set in Montreal and then enemy, which is set in Toronto and somehow makes Toronto look even more sort of unappealing and horrifying than it actually is. So yeah, like there, there, there's quite a bit once you sort of dig in. Now, my list, I, I, as I was making it, I was like, yeah, Kate has probably seen zero of these movies. Yeah. So that's unsurprising. <laughs> um, I do think you would be, take this Waltz and Goon. I think you would enjoy, enjoy? both okay. of those. Like they're, they're both sort of lighthearted a little bit here and there. Um, and like Goon is like an out and out comedy. Um, it's a comedy set in the hockey world and it, it's so ridiculous in terms of how like big and operatic it is okay. when it's really just about like minor league hockey. Okay. I was going to say all hockey movies kind of are big. <laughs> well, yeah, but like, but like this is, but... this is quite literally about like a bad minor league hockey team. Oh, okay. You know oh, what I mean? Like, oh, none, of, already. It yeah, great. like <laughs> none of these guys really have dreams or fantasies of going to the NHL or anything like that. Cause they, they know like, this is my max level. Like okay. this is as good as it's ever going to get for me. And, and it's, it's quite literally just about a goon, about a guy who fights. And so he's like the worst player on the team, but he can fight. And so like, it, that's what this movie is all about. It's like a love letter to these types of hockey players. So maybe I'll check it out. I tend, yeah. I enjoy sports movies. I wasn't always great at playing all the various sports that we played, but I enjoy watching them. So I, I was like very, very pleasantly surprised by sort of how much I enjoyed it. I remember putting it on for the first time with a friend of mine and we were both sort of like, this is going to be really stupid. And then within about 10 minutes, we're like, yeah, it is stupid, but it's great. Like, this is phenomenal. So, like, yeah, it, it just completely won us over immediately. Uh, so we can jump now into the main movie of the week. We're This week, we are going back to August 3rd, 2007, which is the Friday night we could have, and I very much probably did, rent Hot Fuzz by Edgar Wright. And... I have some questions about what you said about Hot Fuzz last week, so we'll get into those in a second. But okay. first things first, I need you to give a plot synopsis for Hot Fuzz for anyone who hasn't seen it. Okay, so Hot Fuzz stars Simon Pegg, who plays Nicholas Angel, who is a cop in London. He is too good at his job, basically. He's always on just too good. So he gets... Not even a promotion. He just gets moved, I think. No, he gets he gets 
the promotion as a transfer. As a transfer. Yeah. Um, so he gets transferred out of London and sent to Sanford. Sanford, yeah. Sanford. The small little town. And once again, kind of too good for his job. Always on. The cops who are in charge of the town or who he's transferred in to work with kind of just like lazy's not the right word but like kind of lazy well like they yeah just, we, like... we'll get into that i guess but sure sure <laughs> yeah 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 um and so for about 45 minutes could not tell you where the story was going um and then all of a sudden murders start to happen in this town and or accidents or accidents as some of the police will call them um, murder 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 <laughs> and so he then takes it upon himself to try and solve the mysteries or solve the murders or the accidents um and yeah i guess we'll kind of leave it there until we kind of delve into the story a little bit so quick fire questions yeah. to start off here just yes or no. Don't think about them too hard. Oh boy. Okay. Just sort of yes or no. Have you ever fired two guns whilst jumping through the air? No. Have you ever fired one gun whilst jumping through the air? No. Is there a spot on a man's skull that if you shoot it, it will explode? I believe so. So yes. Have you ever been in a high speed car chase? No. And have you ever fired your gun in the air and gone, ah? No, but now I kind of want to. <laughs> Okay. Do you do you say yes to any of those? Um, I've fired guns in the past. I don't think I can say yes to any of those questions. <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely have not fired a gun in the air and gone, Aah! No? Not but even like, the first time you did? I'm a big Point Break fan, so like, yeah, I, I would love to do that. Okay, so Edgar Wright, mm -hmm. is this, how many Edgar Wright movies have you seen? Is this your first one? This is my first one. So you've never seen any of his other ones? No. Okay. I, I think I've seen parts of some of them. The World's End, I think, is uh, yeah, his. Yeah. Um. So I think I've seen scenes of that. I feel like I've seen scenes from this before. Because as I was watching it this time, I was like, you kind of feel, seem familiar. Um. But not enough that I would have been able to give any of them an actual plot description. So like you've never seen something like Shaun of the Dead or no. Baby Driver or... Uh, no, Baby Driver, maybe... But it's also kind of not... A bit hazy? Yeah. Okay. So, last week, though, you classified this as the stupid cop movie, the stupid police movie. The dumb cop movie, I think. The dumb cop movie. So, like, what were you basing that on if you hadn't seen the movie? Like, was it purely reputation? Was it, was it maybe, like, the poster? Like, what were you basing that on? A bit of the poster. I think I've seen, like I said, bits of it or the trailer. And I think... Having now watched it, I'm probably perceiving the British jokes and things like that as, like, the dumb part of it. It also, in comparison to the likes of Jason Bourne from last week, like, it's going to be the dumb cop movie. <laughs> like, well, if you're comparing... Sure. Jesus, almost anything would be. <laughs> if you're comparing the two, it would be that. Um, I will say it was not a dumb cop movie. It is quite smart, but I think it's the Britishness of it that I kind of saw as almost dumb. So, so, that, so you you've you've come around. Yes. So, like, what were your thoughts like as the movie was going? Were, were did you feel yourself sort of being like, oh, this is a lot better than I thought it would be, or was it sort of was it more sort of very immediate, like, oh, this is kind of great. It was more of a slow, a slow turn of my head, I guess. Um, so, like I said, the first 45 minutes could not tell you where this movie was going. Couldn't figure it out. Um, I enjoyed that right off the bat, they tell you exactly who this Nicholas Angel guy is. He's great on a bicycle. He's good in a car. He's good at this. Like, in comparison to Jason Bourne last week, where you're dropped into the middle of the story and you know nothing about Jason, in the first 30 seconds... You know you, everything about You this literally guy. learn yeah. everything about this man. Um, so, that was great. I guess a part that was great or that was helpful was you had warned me to kind of look out for certain things or like a big aspect of the movie. So knowing that, I then was watching it being like, okay, well, they've said this. Will it come back later? So like 
the ties and the way that they wrote it, I guess. Yeah, we can come back to that. Yeah, just to sort of let everybody else in. I like specifically asked you to keep an eye out for the setups and the payoffs in the movie. Because the first half of the movie is all set up. And then the second half of the movie is all payoff. And, you know, things that happen in the first half get paid off in the second. Things that are said by characters get paid off in the second. And so, like, that's kind of how the movie... It is sort of... It is definitely a movie of two halves where... You know, about halfway through the movie, something happens and, and then we're in sort of a totally different movie. Yeah. So kind of on that note, though, you had warned me about the set off and payoff or setups and payoffs. The first time you watched it, did you notice that? Was it kind of later on, like near the end of the movie that you were like, oh, I remember them saying something about that. Because what I had seen online is a lot of people, it's the second watch Yeah, that it kind of... Yeah, yeah. So, like, the second watch, you're definitely sort of more in tuned with it. I think I had already seen Shaun of the Dead by this stage, which is Edgar Wright's first movie. And it's it's not that it's the same. It's not that it's the same in terms of, like, they're setting up everything and then they're paying it all off. But there is a sort of similarity to, like, the sense of humor and the way that Edgar Wright films comedy specifically, where I was I was already sort of in tune with it. And so... I do remember the first time watching this through and being like, that is so fucking clever and so funny. And, you know, you're not, you're not going to pick up on all the jokes the first time through. Cause there's just so many in there, but I do specifically remember being like, you know, a certain character will say something and there is enough about you where you're sort of like, that sounds odd in like, why would they yeah. phrase it like that? And then 30 minutes later, you're like, oh, that, that's why, that's why they yeah. phrased it like that is, is to get this joke later on. And so, yeah, I do remember like, this is my favorite Edgar Wright movie. Really? This is the one I go back to more than any of the other ones. And yeah, I think it is like, it's pretty perfect in terms of like writing and sort of like, you know, it's one of the reasons why I do love the Paddington movies is like they do something very similar where it's like, we are going to set up a lot of stuff in the first half. And we're going to pay it all off in the second half. And like, we're going to be meticulous of being like, we're not putting in something in the, you know, the first 30, 40 minutes of this movie, unless we are going to refer back to it in the last 10 or 15 minutes to sort of make you be like, oh yeah, like, oh, that thing. That one. Yeah. And like, they're very meticulous. And that's what I find with Edgar Wright and, and Simon Pegg who write all these movies is they're just meticulous in terms of being like, you know, if we're going to do something, we're going to do it. But then we're going to refer to it again later on so that people watching it can be like, oh, right. Yes. And so, yeah, I, I think this is this is kind of a almost a perfect movie. really. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. OK. You haven't watched many Edgar Wright movies, but he does do this thing. I think anyways, in the movies that work, his last two movies, I haven't totally loved the way that I have loved the first three. What were his? Oh, last sorry, the first, the first four. I should say. What were say. his last two? So his last two were Baby Driver and then Last Night in Soho. Okay. And I'm just sort of mixed on both. Both are, you know, good in parts, bad in parts. Kind of mixed on both. The four movies that he did before that though were Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, and then um, at at World's End. And like those are phenomenal. Those are four great, 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 great movies. And I think. The thing that I love about them, and and maybe you picked up on this, and you know you can you can speak on it, is that like they walk that line of being a like a perfect celebration of, and also like fun poking and mocking of these genres of movies. And so, Shaun of the Dead is very much a like, you know, it's a horror movie, and it's got zombies. I was gonna say it's the zombie one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's it's got zombies, but at the same time, it's like pretty fucking funny and. You know, like, they clearly love horror movies and zombie movies. But they're also sort of like, they're a bit silly. And it's like, we're going to make fun of them. And you can see that in this as well, where it's like, this is this is a cop movie. You can watch this as, like, a police procedural and just sort of be like, yeah, okay, I guess it's a little funny too. But as you watch more police movies, that's when you're sort of like, oh, like, all of these cliches and all of these things that these guys are picking up on and putting in this movie... And that's kind of what makes it great is that like they love these movies, but they're also able to make fun of them at the same time. 
Yeah, I guess I kind of saw that maybe a little bit. I'm kind of thinking of some of them now. So we meet the Andrews. The Andes. The Andes. Yeah. Because uh, they're both named Andrew. Um, so like them, I was laughing at them a lot because um, clearly they're the detectives. Um, everybody else is kind of, I guess, a beat cop. They're the detectives and it's the town that nothing happens. Yeah. So like they just go to work and they get to sit in their office and just kind of eat ice cream and eat ice cream yeah. and hang out yeah. like yeah um like so, yeah i guess like, we, i guess we should say for people who haven't seen the movie like sanford this town has recorded no murder in 20 years no not even just murder like any problems well no they, they have problems they definitely have problems but like their problems are like graffiti and, and, and a swan gets a, loose. A swan gets loose. Like it is definitely, they're playing up that like this is small town and he's coming from London and this is a small town, small village. And it's like, yeah, their problems aren't that important for to Nicholas Angel, yeah. right? But what we find out over the course of the movie is that anyone who steps out of line in this village is murdered. Yeah. And taken out by... This neighborhood watch association, which like NWA, also a hilarious reference. But um, no, I'm making a face because I don't know that reference. N- NWA is a rap group. Oh, okay. Yeah, like Ice Cube, Dr. Oh, Dre. Yeah, okay. They're, they're NWA, and so to have NWA be this like you know extremely white, you know older middle class group of people in a you know English yeah. village, like that's a hilarious thing to call your group okay um so like they they just murder these people like anyone who steps out of line you get murdered but they frame them in ways that they're accidents and they they classify them as accidents and so yeah like the the two andys the detectives like they don't detect anything no because like if that's what you grow up with like if, if you've lived in sanford your whole life for the last 20 years, you'd be like, yeah, there, there are, this is a great town. There are no murders. Yeah. And so all of a sudden you got this London guy coming in being like, there's fucking murder everywhere. Uh, it's not even just that, like he just picks up on everything. So he gets into town and he ends up going to the pub, I yeah. think on his kind of first night. And there's somebody kind of behind him being like a pint of lager or whatever. Thanks. And the couple who own the pub then immediately are, oh, you must be the new guy. Like, here, have a drink. And he's like, I'll have a cranberry juice, please. And I was just like, okay. (laughs) He's pretty full on. (laughs) Like, you're not even drinking, having one pint on your first first night on the new town, things like that, whatever. And then he immediately looks around and the pub is full of underage kids who are all drinking. And I did laugh at that scene because then he goes around and starts asking them when are their yeah. birth, when were they born? Yeah. And the one person's like, 1969? And he's like, you're 37? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then immediately all the kids are obviously kicked out of this pub and now there's nobody in the pub because they're obviously the ones. And then he starts to kind of, he leaves the pub at one point and sees the guy who had been behind him ordering drinks try to get into his car. He then arrests him for drinking and driving, but doesn't have a car, doesn't know where the police station is, so starts to walk to the police station with this guy, and then when he gets to the police station, he just, like, has accumulated other people. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And in the back of my head, I was just like, well, these guys are very accommodating. Like, a new person saying, I'm a police officer, come with me, like, let's all walk to the police station. (laughs) Like. (laughs) But that's the thing, like, he can't turn off. And that's, like, a big thing in the movie is that. You know, he's this London cop who's all, like, action all the time. And he gets teamed up with Danny, who is Nick Frost's character, who is, like, you know, just lives in a world of movies. I loved them together. I thought they were great. Because you slowly start to see Nicholas Angel kind of become a little bit more relaxed. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit more chill. Like later on, they go back to the pub and he does have a drink. And I was like, whoa, who's that guy? Um, And the Nick Frost, you said his name is Danny. He then picks up on Nicholas Angel's like cop life. Like the vernacular. And and the vernacular and like actually starting to learn. And I then realized like he's quite quick at how, how he learns all this stuff. 
So at one point there's a car accident and everybody keeps calling, keeps calling it an accident and Angels, uh, Nicholas Angel's there being like, um, it's a collision. Yeah, we, official <laughs> guideline states that we call it yeah. a collision now. Yeah. Um, and stuff. And so then, and then the Danny character by the end of the movie is wearing that, like, the stab, the stab vest, vest yeah. and yeah. things like that. And so I was loved to see the shift in both of them that they kind of end up more equal, I guess. Well, I think that's like, that's the good thing about the two characters is like, they both learn things from each other, right? Like Nicholas Angel is kicked out of London and broken up with from his girlfriend in London because he cannot relax. And he learns from Danny how to relax. But Danny is this like buffoon who is only a cop because his dad is the chief. Yeah. And through Nicholas, he's like, you know, learns to be like, yeah, like. This is what police work actually is. Like he thinks it's all about the movies, right? That's why he asks all those quick fire questions yeah. that I asked. Because he's like, that's all he knows about police work. But yeah, like there's the there's the fun scene where uh, Nicholas pulls over the speeder and just like r- keeps writing things down on the notebook. Yeah. And then Danny is like, oh, like you like tricked him with magic or whatever. And he's like, no, it was just a notebook. Like, this is the most important thing you can have. And then, and then he's like, you should use yours. And Danny's like, I do. And he showed him and it was just a flick book yes. of some being, being shot and murdered. <laughs> that is pretty funny. <laughs> but then that notebook comes back later. Yeah. So exactly. this is the, exactly. the setting up and payoffs. That so we've kind of, yeah. Yeah. We, the setups and the payoffs, do you have, some favorites? Like, were there any that you pulled out and you're just like, God damn, that was really clever? Um, so the notebook is one. Um, and tied into the notebook is the ketchup pack. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it took me only today when I was thinking about the movies. We watched it last night. Today when I was kind of coming up with my notes and my questions and things like that, did I kind of make the full connection on that one? So as we just said... Uh, Nicholas is writing everything down and this is the best weapon you can have as a police officer is this notebook and then later Danny gives him the notebook back and he's like this notebook can save your life or save your skin or whatever Nicholas then puts it in his pocket gets stabbed and everybody's like oh my god he dies because blood's coming out and then two minutes later a trunk's opened and Nicholas is there and he's like hey look I'm okay Yeah, because Danny had given him the notebook with a ketchup pack, knowing that he would, like, it's that that I found very clever. Um, The other one that I immediately picked up on was somebody made a comment or a sentence or a line or something about farmers and their moms always packing. Yeah. I can't remember now who said the line originally. It's it's one of the Andes. And they they tell him that there's more guns in the country than there is in the city. Yes. And then he's sort of like, well, who's got guns? And they're like, farmers? And he, who else? Farmers' mums? Yeah. And then, yeah. Later in the movie, Nicholas is coming back into town and a farmer is there and shoots him. Yeah. And he gets the gun away from him and then the farmer goes, mom! Yeah. And the mom just pops out. She's immediately there with a big <laughs> fucking shotgun. That is that so one, funny. That one actually, I think Chris and I both started laughing at that yeah. one. Because yeah. some of the payoffs, the setups and the payoffs are quite subtle in it a bit. That one, though, is like, if you were listening, you remember that yeah, one. That one yeah. is an obvious yeah. one. And it's like so, some, some of them get paid off like very quickly. Like within the next scene, they'll be paid off. Other ones, it's like, that's a good 40 minutes between, yeah. <laughs> you know, that setup and then the end of that joke. So, yeah, that, that's a, I love that one. That's a great one. My, Do you have a favorite, though? My favorite, and it's maybe the dumbest one. Oh, God. But my favorite is the Aaron A. Aronson joke, where oh. you find out, like, he's, 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 Angel is, like, uh, imploring or, like, pleading with these detectives to start doing some detective work. <laughs> and they're like, what do you want us to do? Take out the phone book and start, you know, at the top with Aaron A. Aronson? And you're sort of like, okay, that's, that's funny, because it's like, you know, all the A's, that would probably be the yeah. first name in the in the phone book. And then at the end of the movie, there's a little kid who helps Nicholas Angel apprehend one of the one of the villains. And he's like, good job, kid. What's your name? He's like, Aaron A. Aronson. And you're like, oh, there is an Aaron A. Aronson in the village. That is so funny. Like, so I, I love that one. Like, that's oh, so good. So that good. one, I 
when the kid said his name, I was like, oh, why do I like, why does that name ring a bell? But yeah, it's because obviously the joke is made. Yeah. At the beginning of the movie, almost so, and it's 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 not a setup or a payoff, but it's maybe my favorite. It's not even a joke; like I don't even know how to classify it. But it's it's the part of the movie that always makes me laugh. Is first of all, I love the Andes. Like Patty Constantine and Rafe Spall are so fucking funny in this movie, and I, I love both of them. And like they're two of my favorite characters. But when they're when they're outside of um i can't remember his name but he's like the land developer with the big house and that 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 explodes and granter ah, yeah, whatever his name is yeah. yeah but when they're when they're out, out front and they're talking and the andes are like you know they're 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 the ones that are like the most pissed off or the most hostile to angel being new to town and they leave and patty constantine walks out of frame and then immediately walks back in just his head to one more look and then walks back out again. And I don't know what it is, but every time I'm like, that is so funny. That is so funny. The way it's shot, the way it's, you know, there's a, there's a musical cue on it. Like it's just perfect. And it's, it never fails to make me laugh. So I saw that note in your review on Letterboxd before we started to record. And I should have gone and tried to find that scene because I can't picture it in my head right now oh go back and so. watch it it's so dumb it's so dumb like i think i think what i love about these movies and like sean you need to go watch on the dead if first of all if you liked the way that simon Pegg and, and nick frost like worked together and obviously sean of the dead they're two different characters but like, are they both in sean of the dead oh yeah he so tends, like, i know i saw online the he three tends of them to kind are of... like really good friends okay. yeah the three of them are really good friends and like they work together all the time so um yeah they're both in Shaun of the dead so like you just need to go watch it because in that movie like they're they're best friends it's like they're together the whole way through the movie um so but but what i love about hot flies is that because there are some very clever and intelligent jokes i really respond to like the stupid dumb ones because it's (laughs) like the fact that you're doing both is just just great. great it's just great something i had seen online this is technically part of a trilogy. Yep. This is also a trilogy one. The Cornetto. The cor- tri- the Cornetto trilogy, the ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so- it's it's more of just like a running gag. Okay. And so it's it's Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, this one, and then At World's End. Those are the three Cornetto, and like they're it's supposed to be like um like the flavors of the Cornettos that they eat in the movies oh, are okay. different. And, oh. and so in Shaun of the Dead, they eat one flavor. And I think it's red because it's like zombies and red. And this one's blue. Because of cops. Because of cops. And then I think the third one is green because of the third one is spoilers here. But the third one's about aliens. Um, And so, yeah, like they're very, very, they're, they're a trilogy in the way that like people like to. Make trilogies. Make trilogies. <laughs> like, okay. I, I'm sure that Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright do think of them as trilogy as a trilogy as well um but like there's no there's no storyline that like goes over all three there's no you know there's no connective tissue really except the fact that they eat the cornetto ice cream oh okay yeah so that's why i i was sort of like yeah we don't we might do Shaun of the dead but we don't need to start with Shaun of the dead dead because okay yeah that's fair um so one of the great things i think about the movie is sort of like what I was saying before. Like it sort of stands on its own feet as a pretty good cop movie already. And then you factor in everything else that's going on. But as with all good cop movies and all good detective movies and stuff like that, you need to have like a conspiracy theory. You need to have a, a thing that this guy is chasing down. And so what were your theories as the movie was going on? Like why, how did you think things were going to go? And then when we find out what eventually is the reason behind all the murders, like, did you just, what, what did you think? Um, so once the murders started happening, I was kind of there being like, who's doing it? And I think at first, my first thought was the Skinner, Simon yeah, Skinner. Simon Skinner. Yeah. yeah. First thought was him because he kind of, he was always kind of there. He's a bit off-putting. Yeah, he was kind of always there. He kind of says, like you said, he says lines 
where they kind of stick in your head of like, have you just seen two body, like yeah. the one is like the car accident yeah. or the car collision and the heads aren't on the bodies anymore and on the ground and he like makes some kind of joke or a line or something and you're kind of there being like, that's uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this guy's um, a weirdo. He's a weirdo. Yeah. For sure. So like, I kind of at the start was like, well, you've done something. You're in this somehow. I don't. Spoilers for anybody who hasn't watched it yet. I didn't guess that there was multiple people. Uh. <laughs> to come back though, like we're told, we're kind of, you know, told the whole thing about like when they're in the shop and she, the shop owner is like, no luck catching those swans. And he's like, well, there's only one swan. Yeah. And then, you know, it comes back later on, like no luck catching those killers. And it's, well, there's only one killer and that's the light bulb. Of, yeah. Yeah. So, like, I I didn't clue into that. So, I enjoyed that. The scene where it's revealed that there's multiple or he finally figures it out when he's running, he's chasing after one of them. I found that scene very clever because you see all of them. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> um, it slowly, like, pans out of certain scenes and you're like, oh, there was one there. And, like, they had, like, only run certain spots and stuff. Um, so, that was kind of clever. But, yeah, I guess I didn't put it all together until it was all revealed. And it was kind of put together for us. And then and then, what did you think when we finally are told? Because, like, he goes through this, like, extremely convoluted conspiracy of, like, you know, this person knows this person. And, you know, they want this done and they're giving the information there. And, you know, this person, we they, they uncovered it all. And, you know, everyone's tracks are being covered up by all these murders. And then we're we're told it's like no, she had an annoying laugh, and he was a bad actor, and his house sucked, and it's like that's why they were murdered. Like, it has nothing to do with anything else. It's sort of just like yeah, they uh, I, we just don't like them. I guess like I kind of found it dumb, but I think you're supposed to find it dumb. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's just like it's nothing. Like, like so I liked his reason. His reason was like more satisfying i guess for me um but part of me then tries to think of small towns in england being like do i think people would do this maybe not to the murder like extent but i'm sure there are towns that want to keep their perception of the perfect little town and they were going for an award i think yeah they the went for best, like best, best town village or, or whatever something. Yeah, yeah yeah and like i'm sure Towns and villages probably do dumb, stupid things to make sure that they win those kind of awards. Well, like, so I can't help, but every time I watch this movie, I do get the thought in my head of like, we know people from the village, the town, the mini city, or whatever of Dundas. Yes. And like, <laughs> they get so up in arms whenever anything comes into, whenever any new building or any new store or whatever comes into town yep. that like disrupts the way that the town looks. They yep. get so fucking upset. I would never <laughs> accuse anyone that we know who lives in Dundas of murder, but I wouldn't put it past them in the right context. Wouldn't put it past. Them. That's true. So, so I think they're all capable. Everyone, I like, everyone, I like how yeah. you've picked Dundas like, the town quite literally next to ours. I'm being like, let's move it further away from us. Like, let's, no, let's no, 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 no. keep us in England. No, you, so. gotta, <laughs> you gotta focus on home first. I, I just, I love though that like the way that it all plays out because Nicholas Angel can't comprehend that there's something simpler. You yeah. Know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it goes back like when we first meet him and they're transferring him, he thinks that there's something nefarious going on. But all the, all of the people who are like his superiors are like, no, you're you're too good at your job and you're making us look bad. Yeah. And they just straight up tell him why they're getting rid of him. And then when we meet all of the people in Sanford who are eventually then murdered, everyone is like, yeah, this person, this person's house sucks. Like it, it doesn't look good in the village. And, you know, so-and-so is a bad actor and like is kind of embarrassing. This guy is in charge of the newspaper and he has misspellings yes, all over the place. Yes, that's what the newspaper... I was trying to think, being like, like, what was the newspaper's they, they, problem? They tell 
Angel their problems with all of these people that they then go and murder. And then it comes back to being like, yeah, he just was a bad newspaper editor. And it's like, that's the whole reason. And we told you why, you know, from the jump, but he can't comprehend that it's something so simple and easy. The one thing I did find uncomfortable, the deaths are all like very gory and like extreme, which like I get kind of making a bit more of a comedy out of it, but like it is kind of unsettling out of your stomach. Well, I think so. it does, it, but it does like, I, I hear you. And yes, <laughs> like, like for, especially like the murders in the first 40 so odd minutes, first hour where it's like, this is a pretty like light movie. And like, there's not a whole lot going on. And then all of a sudden there's like a very graphic death scene. Yeah. And I think that that is Edgar Wright. He's like a big horror guy. And it's like he can't help himself. Okay. But sort of be like indulge a little bit. But it then also does set you up for like the last half hour of this movie is like an all out gun extravaganza. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, so he does set you up in terms of being like, this is going to get extreme. And like, we're going to fucking turned up to 11 here and i think the know. one i could have done without is the newspaper guy yeah. when he, like that one is just like oh especially because he like walks around uh, like for a second <laughs> or two but yeah that one like yeah. i could do without by mistake i was looking up something today and i came across that scene and i watched it again and i was like i didn't need to see it's this pretty, again it's pretty rough <laughs> like, it's pretty rough <laughs> Um, so what did you think of our characters and, and things like that? Like, do you have some favorites? Did you have some, some people that you were like, they're really great. They're really funny. Yeah. So once again, and I find it's a very British movie thing. It's once again, kind of a who's who of British actors. Um, I don't find we get that really with American movies, but that's fine. Um, I really enjoyed Olivia Coleman. She's so good. I like, she's so funny. Cause I wasn't. I wasn't expecting her in that role. The most recent thing I would have seen her now is um, The Crown on Netflix. As different as you can kind of get in the world of acting. Well, like, okay. So, like, specifically with her, because I think this is quite interesting. So, like, am I right in assuming that the first thing you probably watched her in was, like, something like Broadchurch? The Crown. I only watched... Crown. Okay. I only watched Broadchurch last year. So I didn't okay, see so her. Like, yeah. She, yeah, she she did Broadchurch a few years before. But like, so yeah, your like first introduction to her is of this like very serious, yeah. very like accomplished and uh, awards celebrated yeah. actor. And my first introduction to her is probably this, <laughs> this movie where she plays like the fucking sexed up town bimbo. bimbo. <laughs> yeah. And so like. My, so like, it's just interesting that like it's inverted in that. Like my, my journey with Olivia Coleman over the years has been like, oh, she was that funny one in Hot Fuzz or, you know, she has bit parts in like Peep Show and like all these like UK comedies. And then it's like, oh wow, she's in Broadchurch and like, oh, she, wow, she kills it in Broadchurch. And then, yeah. you know, she's in The Favorite, which is the movie that she wins the Oscar for, which is like yes. pretty comedic. Yeah. It's pretty funny, but at the same time, it's not a comedy, I think. And, um, and then, yeah. And then now the crown and stuff, but you're, yeah, you're going backwards. I'm going backwards. You're going backwards. She's so like, ah, <laughs> oh, she's just fantastic. She's so lovely. And yeah, you need to watch like there, there, there are, uh, compilations on YouTube of like her on talk shows and she like, this is her, like yeah. she's a bit goofy and she just is like, kind of can't believe that she's famous. And it's like, ah, oh, she's, she's lovely. Cause she kind of came it, to it later in life, right? She's like de- she's definitely like, she's older like i think she's been working for a very long time but like the fame part has certainly come recently where it's sort of like you know she's now a name you know what i mean but yeah i think yeah she's she's pretty fantastic the the andes i love the andes i yes i enjoyed both of them i don't know if i recognized either from kind of other things well the the mustaches do throw you off so did you watch the most recent Game of Thrones show? Yes. So yeah. So Andy, the the <laughs> like fuck out of the one, one of the Andys. Yeah, the one <laughs> the one who gets splattered with bolognese sauce when okay. they're attacking the supermarket. Yeah. The more the one who seems more in charge, he is the king in the show. 
in in House of the Dragon. Oh, he's the dad in House of the Dragon. Oh my god! So that's Paddy Constantine. <laughs> Paddy Constantine is so great, so great. Has this like wealth of movies and television in his past, but yes, he is in these movies as like an idiot. Oh my god! <laughs> so, yeah, would yeah. not have. And actually, I don't know if you will have necessarily recognized him in that many things, but the other Andy is um, Timothy Spall's son, and Timothy Spall is the rat from Harry Potter. Okay, I recognize yeah. the last name. Oh, yeah. Okay, I so wouldn't... that's that's his son. Jeez, oh, so, like, his son is like had a huge career as well. Like he's been in so many things over the years. But yeah, yeah, that's that's his that's his boy. Okay, so those are the two Andys. The other thing that kind of is. They had very quick scenes. Is yeah. that kind of a way, like... Like the montages? or The montages are just like, I'm thinking of him... Yeah, I guess it would be considered a montage. Like him moving from London to Sanford. Like very quick scenes. Like him on the train, him in the train station, yeah. him waiting, the train waking him up. Like, is that kind of a style that this... It's definitely... I find that Edgar Wright is maybe like one of the better directors at doing montages like that because it's also not like if you go back it's it was probably too much on a first watch to really process what you're seeing but if you go back and watch that montage or some of the other montages like he's giving you a ton of information yeah a ton of information in the but like what he's not doing is the standard like okay a, a character has to go from this city to that city so I'll show a plane takeoff and a plane land and them get in the car and drive, you know, a couple shots of them driving. And then I'll pan over and you'll see the town sign and all that sort of shit. Like, it's like, fuck, so boring. So, you know, it doesn't have any creativity or whatever. Whereas Edgar Wright is like bursting with creativity. And so what he's going to give you is just these snapshots. And if you go back and watch them and maybe like slow them down or whatever, like you'll see that like the trains are getting different. And so like, the one train that he's on is obviously like a London train. And then the other train is more of a country chain. Like they change the way that they look. Okay. And the taxi signs are different because the taxi signs in London are very distinct. Whereas the taxi signs out in the rural country are very different. And then the phone on when he keeps cutting back to the yes, phone, I, you see the reception bars go down. That's why like he, okay. That's why he keeps going back away. to the phone. Yeah. So it's, it's just his way of being like, I need to show you this character travel from one place to the other. I can either do it very boringly, like you've seen a million times in every movie you've ever watched, or I can do it like this. Yeah. And maybe you pick up on it, maybe you don't. Either which way, you get you get the understanding, even if you pick up on no information, nothing else. You see that the journey starts in the middle of the day, and he arrives late at night. And so you can figure out this was long. Yeah. It took him a long time to get there. So, like, he is far away from London. And so, like, you know, it does work. And so, he does this in, in definitely in his other movies. Like, I have memories and, and things in my head now of, like, certain scenes in Shaun of the Dead. Where it's, like, very, very, very quick montage. But, you know, it does still convey information. He's still giving you information. You just sort of need to be watching. Yeah. But, yeah, no, that's one thing I definitely picked up on. The montages, and then even just like the scenes throughout the movie, he doesn't kind of stay in one shot for very long. They're all yeah, very quick yeah, and stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we've said now a few times like the first hour of this movie is kind of slow. Like there are definitely things happening, but it's certainly not the second hour. Yeah, that's so true. you know what I mean. Like he needs to find a pace to keep you hanging around. Yeah, like he knows. He like. He wrote and directed the movie. Like he understands the first half might be a tough hang compared to the second half where it's like all out. Yeah. So, so. any other last things? Well, so I, I'm just curious now, like, are you going to, even if we don't do it, will you go back and at least watch something like Shaun of the Dead, even though it's a bit horror adjacent? I might check it out. Zombies kind of seem to be the latest thing. Zombies kind of are now appearing in all of our movies and shows lately. So I might check it out. Um, I don't know when, but I'll check it out at some point. So. I, did you watch Zombieland with us when we were in Ireland? Or yes. Did, yeah? Yeah, the double shot, like the double, second double, one. Double tap? Double yeah. tap, yeah. I haven't seen the first one, but I saw oh, the second okay. one. <laughs> well, yeah. So I would say like Shaun of the Dead is definitely closer to that in terms of like 
zombie content than the last of the us last of us okay or another movie which i will make you watch eventually oh for this podcast but like <laughs> it definitely you know like there's definitely um like there's definitely death and carnage in Shaun of the dead because it, it's it's riffing off um dawn of the dead um which is like one of the original zombie movies like it's a romero movie but again because it's these guys they're gonna find the humor in it. The, they're gonna find yeah. the comedy in it. So there is enough of that in there as well, where it's sort of like, oh, this is not, not scary. Yeah. You yeah. Know? No, I'd probably check it out. So I might not be a late night watch. Maybe it's a middle of the day one, just to be sure. But well, listen, the movie takes place in the middle of the day, anyway. Oh, so, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so we we can find <laughs> horror wherever you look. You know, it's not that big a deal. So. Uh, yeah, that's every, that's it for, for hot fuzz. I think, I think, you know, if you went from, this is the dumb cop movie to like, I'm going to check out Shaun of the Dead. I think this was a success. This was a success. Yeah. I enjoyed it. So <laughs> I think, uh, I think we might have to start, you know, maybe rank the movies we've seen now. Cause I think we're up to about 13 or 14 movies for the podcast so far. Maybe this... we, maybe we get to 15. We'll like rank our top five. Yeah. Cause Two episodes ago was the movie swap, and that yeah. was episode 10. That was 10. So that was 10 and 11. Yeah. Yeah. 12. Yeah, so, so two maybe, more and maybe we'll... Maybe a couple more, and then we'll maybe we'll, we'll rank our, like, top five and things yeah. like that. We'll, we'll find some categories to, to, yeah. to have a bit of fun with, so... Sounds good. All right. Uh, are you going to tease next week? I was just trying to remember what next week is. <laughs> I think next week, if I can remember our schedule correctly, is a teen movie starring... What was at the time maybe the biggest actor in Hollywood? So yes, I think next week is. Uh, I I remember having a conversation with a friend on new favorite movie about intelligent teen high school movies, and I think this might be in the top top tier. I would agree. I for me, it's one at work we would have watched it on our lunch breaks a lot. So, so. shout out to the Shoppers Drug Mart crowd. Yeah. So we would have been watching this. So hopefully anybody who listens, who I used to work with, can kind of try and guess. Yeah. So. so there you go. That's next week. So we'll, uh, we'll see everybody for that one. See you then.